Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, tragedy strikes as Irish peacekeepers come under fire in the Lebanon. Private Sean Rooney, aged 23, from Newtown, Cunningham, County Donegal, he joined the Defence Forces in March 2019 a member of the 27th Infantry Battalion in Dundalk before he left for the Lebanon last September. More than 300 Irish troops are in the country on a peacekeeping mission as part of the UN. Today, their numbers are one less. Private Rooney was among eight soldiers traveling in two armored vehicles on a journey to Beirut airport when for some reason they strayed off the sanctioned route and into trouble. Private Sean Kearney, 22 from County Cork, has undergone life-saving surgery. I'm Kevin Doyle, and on this special episode of the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by former member of the Defence Forces and security analyst Declan Power to discuss the Irish role in the region, his own experience of peacekeeping in Lebanon, and the investigation into this attack. Declan Power, why are there Irish troops in the Lebanon? So Irish troops have been in the Lebanon since, uh, well, 1958, if you go back to the original deployment of uh, UN military observers. Uh, however, in the more modern era, Irish troops have been part of what's known as the UNIFIL mission. So United Nations Interim Force in Lebanon. Um, the irony was the term interim. It never meant to be such a long mission. And Irish troops were deployed there in 1978 at Battalion Lab. Then in the uh, 2000s, the Irish pulled out because things had changed. The uh, landscape had become much more stable. There were much uh, more uh, peaceable um, soundings taking place between the Lebanese government and the Israelis. The Irish pulled out. They felt that there were other missions that were more suitable for our skill set in the early 2000s. But the tensions rose again where Hezbollah were launching attacks into Israel. The Israelis were using covert uh, operations personnel to respond and sometimes airstrikes. And restabilization needed to take place. When the Irish returned, it wasn't in the same numbers. The Irish were part, uh, working with EU partners, uh, running a battalion. So our expertise was crucial in running the battalion, but we didn't provide all the numbers. We provided about 300 odd personnel and either the Finns or the Poles uh, took up the slack. And that's the situation where we find ourselves now, where Irish personnel are working with the EU partners. I think it's Polish uh, at this point in time. And Declan, you did a couple of tours there yourself. What are conditions like when you go out there? What does the work involve? OK, well, the condition has changed considerably from when I was out there. Uh, they were more, uh, somewhat more Spartan. Uh, there was a, a camp. Uh, the Irish headquarters was in Camp Shamrock, which was at Tibnine. And uh, then there was a UN headquarters down in a place called Nakura on the border with Lebanon. And then there were various little outposts dotted around where you had small numbers of Irish troops uh, uh, based 
places such as uh, Bait Jehoon, uh, Brashish, uh, places where Irish troops have been killed as well, and think uh, 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 from mortar fire as well as sniper fire. And uh, the roads were very, you know, uneven. It was a small area, but, you know, difficult to traverse and um, very arid and uh, difficult landscape to manoeuvre in and to survive in. Um, so the the changes that have taken place since then is that Irish troops are not a, a station in these little outposts, but they patrol more uh, along with their EU colleagues. And there, there wasn't as much tension because most of the problems were being dealt with by liaison officers, including many Irish liaison officers. There were de-escalating tensions between Israeli-backed forces and the Lebanese government forces and the, the Hezbollah militia. And that's where the, 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 the key problems were taking place. So ordinary Irish personnel patrolling were not uh, subject to as much uh, you know, confrontation. But in recent years, that has started to change. You had pockets of hostility and confrontation uh, erupting, uh, directed at UN personnel on patrols. Uh, sometimes that would be miscommunications of a cultural nature, where some troops that wouldn't be as experienced as Irish personnel uh, and as long in the region uh, and with a corporate memory of this of, of the sensitivities would do things silly things like maybe taking photographs uh, uh, that would upset people who'd be worried about those photographs making their way into Israeli intelligence, things like that. And that could lead to standoffs. It could lead to attempts to disarm UN forces. And the Irish have been very much to the fore in trying to. Uh, to deal with those standoffs and tensions. From what we know, I'm conscious that in the, the newspaper business, next week we would expect it's a staple every year of the troops coming home for the Christmas break, the happy photographs of the reunions at the airport. And now it's most likely in the coming days that instead we will have pictures of a coffin and a military salute for, for Private Sean Rooney coming home in the days before Christmas. Every situation is dangerous, but it's so long since we've had a tragedy like this. It it has come out of the blue, hasn't it? Well, not entirely. Um, last January, there were a number of tense standoffs and attempts to disarm some Irish troops uh, and Irish troops intervening on behalf of uh, other UN colleagues. So they weren't as dramatic as the kinds of things that would have been happening during my era where there were you know, wholesale shellings. Some of what the Irish troops in recent times have been dealing with have been more like maybe standoffs like you would have had uh, in Northern Ireland, for example, uh, You know, more of a uh, low intensity conflict, but nonetheless dangerous uh, for all that, because uh, the wrong decision made could lead to uh, an eruption of uh, hostilities that could see people injured or killed. And what happened here, it seems, as things emerge, is you had a very routine administration um, tasking, not a, not an operational run, uh, to the airport, You know, two vehicles, approximately eight personnel. They would have been armed, but lightly armed. The vehicles were not uh, heavy-duty uh, armoured personnel carriers of the, the type that would be used on operations like the Sisu or the Parana or the, the Moags. These would be but still quite well-protected, armoured Nissan Land Rovers, able to take small arms fire and uh, an amount of projectiles. They would have been manoeuvring in a, a route that was well used and that there would have been acceptance by all the various parties, some of whom I outlined there, in UN forces using these routes. It would have been a straightforward run along a motorway into Beirut to go to the airport. But things can get chaotic with regards to traffic. Uh, there may have been road traffic accidents. Uh, the, it appears the troops had to take a detour and this detour 
took them through this particular village. Uh, it's not uncommon, however, in recent years for different parts of uh, Lebanon to, uh, to have armed elements within them who decide to deny access or deny movement or attempt to block and disarm UN troops uh, for whatever reason, sometimes with uh, directions from Hezbollah, sometimes on their own volition, because you've got to remember uh, the society there is highly weaponized. Uh, huge amounts of people have access to weapons for a variety of reasons. Some of them are under command and control, some of them are not. Declan, you've mentioned Hezbollah a couple of times there. Just explain to us exactly who Hezbollah are. And I'm I'm conscious that they have a statement out saying that this was nothing to do with them, that it was uh, an incident that took place involving a number of residents in that area where the Irish unit ended up and that Hezbollah do not want to be inserted into the middle of this. How likely is it that Hezbollah have nothing to do with this at all? Uh, I think it's certainly highly likely that they didn't authorise this or they didn't um, institute it. Uh, however, it is an area in, in a area that is widely accepted as being under their control. And so... Uh, I would echo the um, words of the British ambassador to Lebanon. Uh, curiously enough, it's the British ambassador that has said this. Uh, no Irish um, state uh, representative has has said this yet, but that uh, those responsible should be held accountable. It should be determined who exactly was responsible for this, and they should be held accountable. I know the Lebanese army are conducting an investigation at the moment. And technically speaking, you know, there was in the early 2000s, the Lebanese government were supposed to have taken over the control of the entirety of Lebanon. But to answer your question, Hezbollah are the primary uh, armed Muslim militia in Lebanon, particularly South Lebanon. They can control most of what happens down there. And they have seen themselves in a state of war with Israel for quite some time. Hezbollah are uh, connected politically as well, in fact, to the current government that sits in place. But yet they're a separate entity. And uh, and there are areas that they control that the Lebanese government forces do not have any control. There are areas that they would liaise with UN forces and usually status of forces agreements would be worked out to allow access, to allow uh, uh, passage, safe passage through these kinds of areas. And usually uh, in a situation where a, a confrontation was taking place, UN liaison officers would have direct contact with Hezbollah and together they would tamp down whatever the issue of the confrontation was. But in this situation, it would appear this was very arbitrary. The, the two vehicles were transiting through an area uh, local armed locals, it would appear, took o- offence at this or decided to try and deny movement and uh, open fire. Now, it should be also understood that there were some references made to the vehicles having gotten separated or that there was maybe uh, some sort of confusion. But the drills that troops are uh, trained in in these situations is if they come under fire and attempt to stop them or block them is to uh, to get out of there as quickly as possible, to take evasive action. Uh, because the, it is likely an attempt to uh, to block them and to disarm them. So to ev- to to prevent blocking, you take a evasive action in your vehicle, and uh, it's probably against that background that the uh, physical accident took place. I mean, you can imagine the pressure a driver would be under trying to take evasive action. Uh, the fact that they were coming under fire, and the other vehicle managed to uh, to uh, evacuate the area get away. So you mentioned that the Lebanese army are conducting an investigation along with the, the UN, but 
we're told the official word is at the minute, at least, that the details are, are sparse and conflicting. How long do you think it'll take before we get some answers for exactly what happened here? And do you think that that will change the Irish presence in the Lebanon or that there would need to be a review of our troops uh, staying out there? Well, no, I don't think it'll change the Irish presence in Lebanon. We, we've, we've dealt with worse situations than that uh, in uh, in our state's involvement with this uh, part of the world. Uh, I think it may change uh, some of the tactics, techniques and procedures that are involved. There will probably be greater levels of security uh, from here on in, which you know, would be, it'll make things more difficult for the Irish contingent there. It'll make a normal routine event like dropping a few guys to the airport much more of an operational event now for the time being. Uh, it's probably likely, though, in the subsequent investigations by all parties and uh, and liaisons that will take place, that this was uh, a somewhat arbitrary uh, action, that there was no strategic direction of it or, or operational planning for it, that you have these armed groups with some sort of loose affiliation to Hezbollah, uh, who probably consider themselves like a neighborhood watch who took offense. And most of these things can be resolved with a little bit of dialogue. However, it also reminds us of just how dangerous these places are. Declan Power, thank you very much. Thank you. My thanks to former member of the Defence Forces, Declan Power. I'm Kevin Doyle, and this episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Mary Carroll and Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound by John Smith. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. 